Well, hello, everyone. If you saw me just then, you saw me at the beginning of the meeting. You probably see I'm hobbling slightly better than I was at the beginning of the meeting. But uh, I'll let you know now, my back's not great. So I'm slightly hunched over the uh, podium. Don't worry about me. I am all right, and I'm going to carry on. Uh, but um, I'll keep talking about my back while we, uh, while we sort the sound. Um, but yes, I am for those who prayed earlier, I am feeling a bit better, but it still hurts. So uh, I'll be, I'll, we'll keep the, the balance of honesty there. I, am not, I cannot come up here and say I have been miraculously healed and I'm now feeling amazing, but I don't think I would have been doing this earlier either. So that's a really, this is a really weird testimony at the moment. We're kind of in the middle, but that's okay. God's at work and uh, I'm gonna keep talking. How are we doing? I think we're still, I can hear a lot of booming around still. So I'll, I'll, I won't start properly yet. We'll make sure everything's okay. I hope it's okay for everyone online. Might be booming in your ears out of your TV sets, I don't know. Uh, but we'll get there. Well, well ooh, that's good. Amazing. Um, we're gonna be looking at Genesis 21 together. We're looking at the next bit of Abraham's story as we go through, uh, as we've been going through that in recent times. Uh, we're going to carry on with that today. We're going to be, we're in the, uh, the kind of end portion of Genesis 21, starting at verse 22. I'm going to start by, by saying this, that loads of, loads of films and TV shows look at that idea of what might have been. We think of, I'm not going to go into details of it, the film Sliding Doors looks at two different scenarios of how things might have been. Doctor Who did it uh, in, the, in the episode Turn Left, where we, worked at, we saw where if Donna Noble had gone the other way and never met the Doctor, some people are looking at me going, what? And I will talk a little bit more detail about this one. It happened in the film It's a Wonderful Life, that Christmassy classic, where George Bailey finds out what things would have been like if he had never been born. He cries out in a completely desperate place. It would have been better if I'd never been born. Then he finds out, no, George, it really wouldn't. And they find out actually what might have been if things had been different. Now you're thinking, what on earth has that got to do with Genesis 21? Well, you'll see as I read it and as we talk afterwards. But there's this sense of what might have been. What might have been if, if you'd never been there, if this had never happened, if that hadn't been the case. But here we are in Genesis 21 and verse 22. I'm going to read uh, from verse 22 through to the end of the chapter. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. Now swear to me here before God that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my descendants. Show to me and the country where you now reside as a foreigner, the same kindness that I have shown to you. Abraham said, I swear it. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. But Abimelech said, I don't know who has done this. You didn't tell me, and I heard about it only today. So Abraham brought sheep and cattle and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a treaty. Abraham set apart seven ewe lambs from the flock, and Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs you've set apart by themselves? 
He replied, accept these seven lambs from my hand as a witness that I dug this well. So that place was called Beersheba because the two men swore an oath there. And after the treaty had been made at Beersheba, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. Okay, the end of Genesis chapter 21. Well, what happens here? It seems like a bit of a lull in the story. We've seen cities destroyed. We've seen some evil acts going on. We've seen children born that have been long promised. We've seen deception. We've seen God intervening in things. We've seen wonderful, wonderful things, as well as really tragic things. In the last parts of the chapter, we've seen the birth of Isaac. We've seen Isaac born this long-promised baby. And then we've seen the slightly harder thing of Hagar and Ishmael being sent away, but just all the, the meaning and truth of that. Before, if we look forward slightly, we get to Genesis 22 and the momentous events on Mount Moriah and everything that happens there and God's telling Abraham to sacrifice Isaac and then he's saving him and all of that. We've got this. Abimelech turns up. Remember him from chapter 20? Uh, where Abraham went and said, Sarah's my sister, you know, all of that again. Abimelech turns up and Phicol, his army commander, is with him. Right, okay, here we go then. And they say, treat us fairly, Abraham. Treat us kindly. Oh, okay. But Abraham has a complaint. Ah, here we go. Something's going to happen now. Okay, let's sort it out. Accept these lambs. This is, uh, yeah, okay, I accept them. This is your well, Abraham. Yep, I understand. This is good. We'll make a treaty. We'll swear an oath. We'll have peace. And then Abimelech and Phicol go home. And Abraham plants a tree. And he calls on God. Now, in one sense, it seems a bit nondescript, perhaps a bit boring. We could think, what might have been here? And probably not in a good way. Abimelech and Fico turn up. Here we are, ready for a fight. And they had a massive battle and, ooh, it got a bit nasty. No? It might seem a bit boring, a bit nondescript. Abraham brings this complaint, but they sorted it out really well. It might seem, well, nothing really happened. But actually here we see Abraham following God, seeking him, living out his walk with God, living out his walk in the land of the Philistines, in the land of a people following other gods, in the world. Living before the people of the land, Abimelech and Phicol and all the people that they represented, like us, living in the world, a world that's turned its back on God, a world that is opposed to God in so many ways and opposed to his people, a confused and hurting world. And we see Abraham dealing with the ups and downs of human relationships, dealing with conflicts that arise. 
You see, this story might look a bit boring, but actually that's because it's been handled really well. See, it could have been curious to ask here, like George Bailey does in desperation in It's a Wonderful Life, well, it would have been better if, or what would it have been like if, if Abraham, us looking in here, we could say, what, and maybe we flip it right around, what would have happened if, actually it hadn't been handled as well as this. It would have been bigger, maybe, more eventful, and actually far worse, if it hadn't been handled so well. So actually what this back end of chapter 21 gives us is some great lessons for us now, today. For us following God every day, seeking him, living in the world around us, and dealing with conflicts that arise in relationships, and dealing with them well. Being ready to deal with things that come up. So what do we see? We're going to read through and we'll see as we go through it. Verse 22 of Bimelech, verse 22 of Bimelech and Phicol turn up. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, said to Abraham, God is with you in everything that you do. God is with you. Before we even get into the, the bulk of the story here, we see, what is Abimelech seeing? Abimelech is seeing in Abraham that God is with him. Perhaps we could reference back to their previous meeting, Abimelech's had, a, in, in the slightly unusual way it came about, a pretty good start in seeing. God spoke to him in a dream. He said, look, I'm with Abraham. He's a prophet. He's, he'll bless you if, you, if you if you sort this out. God's spoken to Abimelech in a dream, but that hasn't faded away. It hasn't come about, well, Abraham came, and he did all this funny thing saying his wife was his sister, and then... Uh, then actually God spoke, and actually it all worked out really well. It's all kind of faded away, and what on earth was all that about? Who is this guy? No, Abimelech can still see God is with Abraham in all that he does. This is Abimelech's amazing appraisal of Abraham. This pagan foreigner, actually, Abraham, I can see God is with you. God is with you. The wonderful truth throughout scripture, we see people, flawed people, people who make lots of mistakes, people who get it wrong, people who certainly aren't perfect, but God is with them. And we see the recognition from the people around them. We could look at, as another example, we could look at Jacob as he goes, as he's living with Laban, his uncle. And we can see just for example, in Genesis 30, verse 27, we can see Laban sees. God is with you, Jacob. In Genesis 30, and verse 27, Laban said to him, if I found favor in your eyes, please stay. Jacob's asking to leave at this point. Please stay. I've learned by divination the Lord has blessed me because of you. And then he goes on to say, name your wages and I will pay them. Laban's recognizing something. I'm being blessed because God is with you, Jacob. Abimelech can see God's with you, Abraham. I don't know exactly what I'm seeing, but I can see God's at work. God is with you. We see this through Scripture. And the first thing for us today, do we recognize this truth? God is with us too. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, 
Matthew chapter 5 and starting at verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. How are we described? How were the people listening to Jesus described? You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Why? Because we've got God with us. Because God is at work in us. The Holy Spirit is at work in us. What do we do? Let that light shine. You see, we can so easily think, ah, oh, no, I've messed up. Or I've not done anything. I've not done anything special. Perhaps we could even maybe not so drastically come to the same position or a similar position as George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life, where he desperately thought, you know, the mess I'm in now, it would have been better. Everyone else would have been better off if I wasn't here, if I'd never been here, only to see it's not so. We can think, I've messed up, I've messed up so badly, I've got it wrong, I've not done anything special, what have I actually done? And yet people can see God is with you. God is with you. God is at work in and through you. If we're in Christ, his spirit is at work in us. He is at work in us. Let's recognize this truth. The people around will see God's with you. God is with you. Abimelech saw it with Abraham. Let's be encouraged and challenged also. God is with us. Let's let our light shine. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, Paul talks about, in this way, of, of it being treasure in jars of clay. We're not special, we're not amazing, we're not wonderful, but we are these pots that hold the wonderful treasure that is Jesus. In the everyday, in the mundane, in everything, let's let the light shine. God is with us. God is with you, Abraham, in everything you do. Let's let that light shine. Well, one way we see as we go on in verse 23. Where are we? Verse 23. Abimelech says this, Now swear to me here before God that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my descendants. Show to me and the country where you now reside as a foreigner the same kindness that I have shown to you. And Abraham says... I swear it. I'll do it. Yes. We see Abraham dealing with Abimelech. Abimelech asks this question, treat me fairly. Treat me kindly, as I did. Well, we can see that Abimelech did when God spoke to him back in chapter 20. Actually, yeah, Abimelech could have gone, God, what, what's this guy done? I'm just going to react. He, he was trying to trap me here. What was going on? He's treated me badly. Actually, Abimelech treated Abraham kindly. He treated Sarah kindly. And we see here, he asks Abraham to do the same. And the encouragement and question for us today is, how do we treat those around us? We've started each meeting for the last however many months, 
with those wonderful words in Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39, which we read, actually we can read similarly in Luke chapter 10. I'll go on from there. In Matthew 22, we see it's Jesus talking. In Luke 10, it's someone else answering a question to Jesus, but the same words come. In Luke 22 and verse 27, the teacher of the law answered, Love the law your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. And so obviously in that, in that story in Luke, it goes on, Jesus goes on to tell the story of the Good Samaritan. Because the teacher of the law is getting a bit tied up. Well, actually, who is my neighbour though, Jesus? Who is it? It's like, well, I'll treat the people I like well, or I'll treat the people who are part of my family well, or I'll treat those people well. Actually, Jesus says, look, there's a man on the road. A priest came by, he didn't do anything. A teacher of the law came by, he didn't do anything. But the Samaritan came by. The Samaritan came by and he looked after him. Jesus turns the question around. Not, well, who is it that I have to count as my neighbour? But actually, this is what it's like to be a neighbour. This is what it's like to treat people with kindness. Not to kind of look and go, well, do they deserve it? Ooh, are they? Oh, I think, I think that's a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Mm, well, mm. No, to treat them with kindness. He turns the question around into, who is your neighbour? Well, Abraham might have looked around and gone, well, does it really include Abimelech? Like, he's nearby, but we're the people of God. I've been chosen. We're on the move. No, no, treat Abimelech with kindness. What about for us? Is there, if we're really truly honest, is there folk we'd rather discount? Actually, the encouragement is, no, let's treat people with kindness how do we let our light shine among men well one way let's show kindness to them we've seen abraham already actually this is abraham's attitude anyway he's gone out and fought and rescued the people after those five kings fought with the four kings you remember actually abraham's actually no no i'm gonna go i'm gonna go and help he gets lot back he gets the people back When God told him of what was going to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah, what's Abraham's reaction? Pleading for them. Lord, if there's 50, if there's even 20 there, will you save it? Abraham showing kindness to those around him. We see here Abraham and Abimelech treating one another and looking to treat one another with kindness and fairness. Abraham showing God's kindness to those around him. I swear it, I'll do it. So secondly, for us today, let's do likewise. Let's show kindness and compassion to those around us. To the lost, to the hurting, to the poor, to the confused and the lonely, and to the belligerent, the angry, the arrogant. Let's be those who show God's love to those around us. Recognising it's out of his kindness to us that we can serve at all. As Anne and Dan were encouraging us earlier, that sense actually it can become 
It can just feel, I've got to do more. I've got to do it. I've got to manage. To do it. Oh, it's, it's a burden. No, actually, let's fix our eyes on him. And remember how much he's loved us. And out of his strength and his work of his spirit in us, I can show kindness to my neighbour, knowing it's not all down to me, knowing it's not all down to us, but it's him who does it. It's him who is at work in us. Okay, let's go on. We see that God is with us. We see this encouragement to show kindness to others. We see, then we see, Abraham's just sworn this oath. Uh, uh, yeah, I swear it, I will do, I will show you kindness. And it appears, his immediate thing that comes up is he brings a complaint. He's got a problem with what Abimelech is doing. Verse 25, Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. But Abimelech said, I don't know who has done this. You didn't tell me, and I heard about it only today. So Abraham brought sheep and cattle and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men had made a treaty. Abraham set apart seven ewe lambs from the flock. And Abimelech asked Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs you've set apart by themselves? He replied, accept these seven lambs from my hand as a witness that I dug this well. And so that place was called Beersheba because the two men swore an oath there. Well, immediately what we see is this relationship where they promised to treat each other with kindness and fairness. That doesn't mean that it's free from problems. Abraham has a complaint to bring. There's some problem about a well. Abraham dug the well, but Abimelech's servants have seized the well, and they're obviously making use of the well, and Abraham maybe can't even use the well now, even though he dug it. There's a problem here. And so Abraham has a complaint to bring. It's a potential flashpoint. There's a temptation here to deal with it in all sorts of bad ways. Well, Abraham could have bottled it up, stewed on it, it's Abimelech saying he's treating me fairly and look what he's doing. What he's doing over there. His servant, he knows what they're up to. He knows what they're up to in that corner. He said he'd treat me fairly, now he's got my well. In bottling it up and stewing it, he could be assuming the worst, as I just did. What? Abimelech knows what's going on. What's he doing? And potentially, he could have just exploded. What are you doing? Abimelech! You said you wouldn't treat me fairly. What's going on here? I bet you've got loads of other wells that you've taken off me as well. Maybe Abraham didn't have loads of other wells. But you've got loads of other stuff that you've been doing behind my back. But actually, Abraham and Abimelech deal with this really well. And part of that's to do with Abraham being open and honest. And if we take him at his word, Abimelech being open and honest back as well. Abraham opens up the conversation. You know, Abimelech, actually there's a problem. I dug this well. Your servants have come and seized it. Abraham shows the courage to bring up the problem. Be easy just to bury it. It's so easy just to bury it. I'll talk personally on that one. It's so easy to bury maybe little things. Maybe things that you think, I didn't quite understand that. What, what on earth did they mean by that? What's going on here? 
But actually, sometimes you take it to God and you just let it and let something go. But burying something so often actually what's, that's just leading to bitterness and to thinking, well, they did always say that thing, didn't they? Well, they did that, or they took that. They knew it was mine, did they? I don't know. Abraham brings up the problem. He gets it out into the open. And Abimelech, again, taking him at his word, is on his back in the sense, oh, do you know, before you'd mentioned it today, I didn't even realise, Abraham. Let's sort it out. Now, there's different ways of reading what Abimelech said, but either way, Abraham deals with this really well. It could be that Abimelech's being slightly evasive here. Oh, yeah, Abraham, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't know anything about that. I know, I know you've mentioned it seven times before, but I didn't know anything about it. And, uh, okay. But let's take him at his word to start with. So many situations can become a bigger problem than we want them to be because we think they know exactly what they're doing. They know how much that hurt me. They know what's happened there when they're completely oblivious. Maybe they shouldn't be, but they are. But they're open. They're honest. Abraham is humble and gracious in coming. He brings a gift. He says, look, let's sort this out, Abimelech. I'm going to bring cattle and sheep. I'm giving them to you. Let's work this. Let's start again, effectively. Let's get this sorted and, and the particular seven lambs. Look, this is a witness to you. I'm speaking the truth. I dug this well. Let's sort it out now. There's a humility and a grace about how they go about it. So today I want to bring a bit of a, a great challenge and encouragement to us. Let's be a people who deal well with conflict. I hear that and I hear the challenge to myself. Let's be a people who deal with conflict well with the world around us. Whether that's if we're dealing with accusation, we're dealing with intolerance or accusations of being intolerant, whether we're dealing with situations we disagree with, whether we're just dealing with the friends around us who've actually something's happened and we need to work it out. As we're dealing with the people around us who God loves, our communities around us, let's be those who treat people fairly and kindly. To trust God and act with humility and kindness in the face of challenge and conflict in our everyday lives. With the world around us, like Abraham with Abimelech, but also particularly with each other. We see Jesus talking both in, in Matthew 5, we could look there, but also in Matthew 18, talking about dealing with problems with one another. Not assuming that everything will always be rosy and wonderful and everything will always go right. We'll never have any misunderstandings. We'll never have any problems come up. We'll never hurt one another. In Matthew 18. And verse 15. He said this, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. If they listen you have won them over. If they'll not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established fully by the testimony of one or two, but of two or three witnesses. And if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And it goes on from there. But this, this point, let's talk to one another. 
Let's be open with one another. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. In Matthew 5, the context is slightly different. And there's that recognition as we come to break bread together. No, sorry, it's not, it's not talking about that. If he's coming to bring an offering, he says in, in Matthew 5 and verse 23, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. It's highlighting Jesus highlighting the importance. Actually, we're in the middle of worship. We're coming to God. We're coming and saying, you're wonderful, God. And you think, you know what? This isn't right. We want to be in good relationship with one another. We don't want to let big things, little things, things that have niggled on for years, just get in the way. And in the midst of all of it, it's so easy to assume the worst. You know what they meant was, I know what they meant. They know what they're doing. They know what they've done and how it's hurt me. But let's particularly hear, at face value, Abimelech's words. Oh, Abraham. I didn't know about it. I didn't know who was doing this. And it's only he told me now that I know about it. Let's sort it out. I've added the let's sort it out. He doesn't say that. But there's that sense. Let's sort it out. With humility and with grace and with patience. Because it's so easy to dwell on things and to become bitter rather than following Jesus' instruction, as we've just read, both in Matthew 5 and in Matthew 18, those different instructions. Let's learn to be open in a good way. You know what? That hurt. Or, actually, what did you mean? I misunderstood. I don't know. To come with grace... It starts with being open. It's no good me standing here this morning and saying, yeah, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling wonderful. I could run a marathon. That probably might not have anything to do with my back, actually, that I can't do that. But I'm not. I'm in pain. Not loads of pain, but I'm in pain. It hurts. And it will keep hurting until God heals it, or I go to the doctors and get some medication or whatever, It doesn't make any sense for me to go, yeah, yeah, you know what, I'm fine. We've got to be open. It doesn't mean rushing in and going, look what you did. But it's being kind to one another. Let's work things out well. Because it's so important. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says this. Ephesians 4 and verse 27. Don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, 
just as in Christ God forgave you. Loads that Paul's talking about, but right in the midst there. Let's not be angry with one another. Let's get rid of rage and anger and malice. Let's get rid of bitterness and be reconciled. Let's forgive one another, just as in Christ God forgave us, recognising it is because he has forgiven us that we can forgive others. In that sense, it takes us back to the first point. God is with you, Abraham, in everything you do. Well, how is it that people will know that God is with us? We love one another, that we bear with one another, that we forgive one another. There's something different about you guys. What's going on there? Look, God is at work within you. So let's deal with conflict well. And finally, what do we see happens? Abimelech and Phicol go home. Verse 32, after the treaty had been made at Beersheba, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his forces, returned to the land of the Philistines, and Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. And there he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. You see, in the midst of this, in all the, in a sense, the mundane and everyday of life, and just sorting out problems and working out what's going on, what does Abraham do? He seeks God. He plants a tree and he remembers, this is what's happened here today. This is what God's done. This is what God is sorting out. Right here, right now, every day and in every place, Abraham, in the land of the Philistines, is remembering what God has done and he's seeking him and he's worshipping him. Well, right here in Sheffield, right here, wherever we find ourselves, even as Susie was sharing earlier, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of, actually, I'm, I'm secure in Christ, but yet it still feels like I'm getting wet. It still feels like I'm being soaked by the storm. I'm still in the middle of all of this. Yet I can praise him. I can seek him. I can worship him. See, we're called to live for him, together as his people here in Sheffield, in the UK, wherever we end up happening to be. Living amongst unbelievers, like Abraham, foreigners, people of a different kingdom. And we see here in Abraham's example, just a sense of, let's live like this. Let's trust God. Let's be kind to one another. Let's be kind to those around us. Let's sort out dif- difficulties and conflicts well. Let's keep turning to him, knowing that it's in his strength, fixing our eyes on him. be stirred to faith. God is with us. In the midst of this the situation, whether that's the ongoing pandemic, the lockdown, the easing, the what, whatever's going on, whatever might be going on personally for you, whatever's going on in the world around us. All of those things and the enemy trying to get in, whatever can lead to conflict lead to disappointment, lead to setback. But let us remember, God is with us. And let's seek him and come to him.